0: We live in a world that encourages us to remove ourselves from the human experience. Whether it's looking at our phones too long, forgetting how to talk to someone face-to-face, or just straight up giving in and convincing ourselves that a chicken nugget is actual food. It's not food, it's silence. I don't know about you, but this freaks me out. So I've started a podcast, my antidote to this silliness. It's time to blow our minds. My name is Will Fleming, welcome to my podcast, Please Blow My Mind. Friend, thank you for joining me on the podcast Oh, th- oh thanks for having me Will it's, <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to it <laughs> The beautiful thing about a podcast, it's different to life, eh? Like most things in business and in work is you got to be prepared, you know? If you ever go in for meetings you've got to be prepared and I think what I like about the podcast is we have to make a, a, a like a, an agreement between each other that we'll just try and have a chat. Exactly. We do that all the time. Then yeah. and we, and we make it all complicated. We? <laughs> well, that's why I was thinking like, you know, for my dad's generation, they needed the pub. You know, they had to go down and have a beer before they started talking. But for our generation, it's like, I don't know. I don't think that's encouraged anymore. Maybe a beer sometimes is good. But,
1: but basically, everybody—if you look at the twenty-year-olds or younger—they're all socializing on their on their on their phones, yeah. and, and they might be in the same lounge, but socializing through their phone because they're yeah. sending themselves photos or whatever. But exactly, uh, but yeah, but it's cool to sit down and talk. I mean, uh, I've I've seen a few um, cafes now
0: saying um, no Wi-Fi, just do the old-fashioned thing, come sit down and talk. could you uh, ever have imagined that that would be a thing? Yeah. Like, I think it's just going to get um, – having a talk where we're not encouraged to pick up our phones, man, that's – like, I think we're onto a huge thing. And I I remember basically
1: university, um,
0: I would spend
1: many hours outside of class just sitting on the bench changing the world through conversations <laughs> with my mates and, yeah. and we would spend three, four hours just talking about whatever, whatever came up, whatever was
0: happening. And it was yeah. it was just great. What do you think will be, like if you think about your kids and my kids, have you thought about what they're, when they're our age, what they'll be up to? Like, do, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a great question. I mean, um, like you, uh, I, I teach and we work with young people. And um, for a few years now, I've been telling them, Think what you're going to be doing in 2030. How 2030 is going to be like? Don't don't think about employment and and what you're going to be doing with once you once you finish your qualifications yeah. and what you're going to be doing immediately after. What's going to be in 2030? I mean, Man. when when you turn 40, 45 the world can be completely different um, will you have a stable job will you just be working from home and calling people in like you are you know uh, to do this this podcast so um, there will be a, a big shift I, th- I think mm-hmm. yeah.
0: like automated world I've been you know researching a little bit about this idea of um, uh, like a what do they call it? like a basic income where everyone gets a standard amount of money And you're still encouraged to work, but I think there's a presidential candidate in the States at the moment, a guy called Andy Yang or Andrew Yang, and I listened to him talk on Joe Rogan, and he's talking about like, everyone gets a thousand bucks, and you have to sit there and think, man... If I had a thousand dollars extra, yeah. maybe I would look after my teeth. Maybe I'd pay student, you know, allowance mm. or or get some nice food for my kids. It's a it's a really interesting thing, eh? No,
1: it's absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, that whole Maslow pyramid thing. Um, once your basics are covered, yeah. you can then start going into those psychological things that will will motivate you to do something different. And that's where innovation comes in. Yeah. And that's where in- people like yourself, you're doing something different. And and we're using our free time in what is passionate for us and, Mm.
0: and, and do something different. You know, it's really interesting because I think it's a smaller part of the world that actually has that realization. Like for a lot of the world, today's not about spare time in a podcast. It's about survival and getting fresh water and food, right? Yeah. That, rat, that rat race. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean, that's basically the whole reason why I moved
1: out to, uh, to New Zealand. Um, I think it was 2007. Mm. Um, and that's the age of the Blackberry. And I had a Blackberry going <laughs> off on my phone. I had alarms going off everywhere. Um, getting up really early, running from one meeting to another, visiting clients, mm. um, invoicing. And it, it was just, it was crazy. And, and I realized that I was going to turn 40 in 10 years time and um, I was not gonna see my kids grow up mm. and um, I didn't want that so I mean we had been out here in New Zealand um, on holiday and we decided with my wife we'll move to New Zealand because we mm. got a really good experience out of it we think we can actually be parents cool. and, and raise a family but it's that I mean um, you are absolutely right there's not that many places in the world where we can have this opportunity yeah. that, that we have here in New Zealand for example yeah. that we can sit around on a Saturday morning and talk exactly um it's a real privilege eh? it is my my parents when they kept coming visit they say don't people work in new zealand the cafes (laughs) are always full (laughs) but it's on what it is but we are able to use part of our day to actually be that
0: normal community social person that we're Mm. supposed to be okay so let's go back a bit because you sound like you're from america is that true no no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the international X. Yeah. What's the backstory? I mean, we know you're in New Zealand. How the hell do you get to New Zealand? Um, look, um, I've had a huge identity issue,
1: and I think I've... I've cleared that identity issue that I've had my whole life mm. uh, about two years ago when I got my New Zealand citizenship. True, uh, because I was able to say, you know what, I'm an oddball New Zealander, <laughs> um, and, and, and that was absolutely great. Um, but I was born in Chile uh, at the age of two, three years old. Mm. I moved to the United States because um, my parents went over to the United States with my my sister uh, to get medical treatment. Yeah. She has mental, she's mentally retarded and has right. cerebral palsy. Okay, and that very awkward or what some people would call sad story, was actually the most fortunate thing that happened to right. me my whole life. Yeah. Uh, I was able to be raised in the United States. Um, I grew up as an immigrant, as a Hispanic immigrant, because yeah. I was born in Chile. I wow. um, had the experience of a dad that couldn't speak English for five years, and his normal phrase would be, this is my wife, and so you could actually communicate. <laughs> yeah. um, having to translate for parents, but also being, uh, being brought up but in a family where a lot of expectations were on me mm. because it couldn't be on my sister, but at the same time where my parents were not going to let um, the opportunity for me to do something in life uh, slip because right. it was an excuse in the family. Right. Um, so a real hard-nosed determined mm-hmm. a family to, to get moved forward. Um, eventually, my, uh, when I was turning 12, 13, my dad got cancer for the first time, so... Basically, back in the 80s, with uh, when AIDS came about and President Reagan in the United States had cancer, it it was a big, uh, Uh, Scare word Um, So my parents Moved back We all moved back To Chile Uh, So I did high school In Chile Right What was that like I
0: mean That would have been A culture
1: shock Right It was I mean Imagine my sports I grew up playing Baseball and basketball Mm. I got to Chile They played soccer Yeah So I couldn't relate To sports (laughs) Uh, uh, Rugby was the sport Because I was going To an English speaking School An international type School So they did play rugby So Mm. that was like The closest To an American sport Which wasn't really An American sport But I could throw A football so yeah, it, it worked yeah, yeah. out. So that's how I got involved with rugby and a little bit of my connection to New Zealand mm-hmm. and obviously rugby started by my
0: move from the United States back to Chile. That is a story, man. And it's it's interesting because I, I relate to it in some ways. Um being being kind of thrust into two lives you know you have this cultural side of you so I'm half Cook Island half Kiwi yeah. so half of me grew up eating with hands at one family yep. and the other half had the seven knives and forks yep. with the British Royal yeah, whatever yeah. and and what was really interesting even as a young kid I always thought well who do I belong to and I guess the truth is I belong to everyone and it's, it's, it's really helped me as an, as an adult yep. even though it was a bit tough not being able to find my bubble yep. when I was growing up and it sounds a little bit the same oh,
1: it, it, it was it was it was harsh. I mean, because when I was in when I was in Chile in high school, I was el gringo, or and they called uh, my nickname was Afro, and everybody related to me as the American. But my name is Francisco Serrano, very Hispanic. And when I went to the United States, uh, I sound very American. Mm. So yeah, um, I passed as American until I was in South Florida, and I would pay something with my credit card, and they would immediately start <laughs> speaking to me in Spanish because obviously <laughs> I have a Spanish name. So it's like. Am I an English speaker? Am I a Spanish speaker? Am I Hispanic? I, am I uh, am I an American? Um, I grew up. I went to a very white Catholic school mm. um, as, a, as a young boy. So that was also like, yeah, my name since the age of seven or eight was Fran because it was more English-sounding than Francisco, you know. Mm. Um, and I grew up in California
0: for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you got Chile, New Zealand, and the States. Yeah. Would, do you just call yourself a Kiwi now? I call myself a Kiwi yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, what what is the feeling from... I mean, do you still have family in the States? What's happening in that country? I mean, this just seems to be... A, a, it seems to be divided, right? Yeah. Well, oh, or yeah. is that just the propaganda view i mean everyday americans still just like kiwis like we get on with it is it? yeah everybody gets on with it yeah. and, and
1: america is a, a huge place i mean mm. then, in my my early 20s i lived in new jersey which mm. is a different usa that's a small town usa close to, to new york where that's where my parents were living because mm. uh, they moved back to the united states so i was always going back and forth um, but america shifted from the 80s where everybody was American, You remember the Bruce Springsteen, like, I'm the boss, born in the USA thing, Ronald Reagan, and everything was American. Then through the Clinton administration, he started being Italian-American, Hispanic-American, African-American. So the shift started there. And um, and I I haven't been back now to the United States for a good eight or nine years. And um, my parents have been back, and in our conversations, they say, well, it it has shifted. I Mm -hmm. mean, now it's gotten, let's call it more... um, Ghetto. I don't want to use a word, but yeah, more yeah. ghettoish. So I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. people are more in 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 in, in their tribal kind yeah. of uh, communities. Yeah, you know, yeah. um, as it wasn't like that when I was growing up; it was completely different.
0: And and I feel like that's you know, if there was no education, that would be the default. Everyone stays in your tribe because there's kind of power in a group. Yeah. But I thought that's what the Western world had that had triumphed is that we could get over that and yeah. use our education to communicate, to shake hands, to. But you get on. I mean, and that's.
1: I mean, American in many ways is very similar to New Zealand. Mm. It's a melting pot, yeah. and and for example, Hispanic community is it's very loud now because it's so strong. But it's accepted. Mm. It's part of what makes America tick. You know, um, and identify quite strongly funny enough after I got my New Zealand citizenship and now I call myself a Kiwi I got this whole Latin revival it's like I had limited myself from listening to Spanish music for mm. basically my whole life and now I go like oh I like this Latin jazz and uh, yeah. because I can connect to it I, because I, I, I've, I've come to terms with it and I can connect
0: to all the things that have actually made up what I am so everything you describe should be the bio for a mental skills coach right because it really is being able to wave your way through in the nuance eh? because life isn't black and white oh no no,
1: not at all I Mm. mean and I'll I'll probably just go back uh, completely to my upbringing Mm. um I moved to the United States as a two, three-year-old. I started school coming from a Spanish-speaking family. Make it in an English-speaking world, you know. (laughs) um, Having to help out mom uh, when going to the hospitals Mm. and translating. And did you catch what the doctor says is Mm. what I'm understanding. It's like, And you're actually having to make decisions, very clear decisions, because they were important. Um, That was early on. Mm. And actually knowing that, look, I I can do things. Because I can see my sibling here, I can't, yeah. and actually hoping to push on. Uh, I was, um, I was a kid that, I mean, I was fortunate. I had lots of things with me, but I didn't have that one thing that I could not play normally with my sibling. Mm. So I had to teach. For example, my sister had to hit a tennis ball with a tennis racket so I could play catch with a baseball mitt, Right. you know? Yeah. Crazy things like that. Yeah. So I had to be creating solutions to actually just be that normal kid. Yeah. Um, I couldn't play Monopoly. I had all the board games, but I couldn't play them because my sibling would not be able to move the pieces, yeah. you know? So I had to find other solutions. So I think that's where it all started. Yeah. And and having really hard-nosed, um, determined parents where, they, where failure was not... Uh, Uh, an excuse or a possibility Um, you could fail but you got to get up and go again Mm. I was I probably was a bit of a shy kid even though I don't seem it because I I I speak a lot but um, but probably I am socially but you always had to stand up and ask and go and so that's where it all started and then eventually through my education and, and the fortunate edu- education that I had I think it all kind of consolidated to where I am today and the possibility of work that I I, I do now
0: and so you're involved in sport you're involved with teaching uh, the next generation of kind of sport people sport leaders um, that must be an interesting it must be super interesting for you because it is in a world now of social media yeah. and everyone I mean how do you can how do you tell someone it's cool to do a hundred million to sprint when they can sit down and scroll through Facebook you know like yep. people used to love going to the field and running because the only other option was classroom and it was boring but now you have the social media world you know
1: yeah um, I've, 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 again I've, I've maneuvered myself into I've always liked sport mm. um, my, my background was law but True. Uh, <laughs> yeah so and I, I think today uh, the, the, su- the subject that I failed three times in university and eventually passed is what's helped me the most which was philosophy um, and it, it is where you can actually connect with people mm-hmm. and you can make them understand what is good for them mm-hmm. and uh and with professional athletes that i get to the chance to work with today uh i tell them look it's not all about your sport you are more than just that and if you are in a high performance environment and you are able to run those 100 meters mm-hmm. and sub or those 20 meters at under three seconds you can do other remarkable things mm-hmm. outside of sport and the same in reverse i tell my students it's like well, look if you're a good son, you can be a good student. Mm. If you're a good student, you can be a good employee and so forth. And, and those are the connections. People need to understand that different roles and tasks that they do in
0: their life are not limiting of others. Mm. Isn't it also interesting because we now live in a time where we love to offer opinions to others, i.e. Twitter. Yeah but we've seldom turned the camera on ourselves, yeah. you know, and and I feel like I, I really do hope there's a wave of, you know, instead of let's outburst with our outrage, let's kind of just, I don't know, like cocoon ourselves a bit in our own minds and just really play through this idea of what am I up to? Yeah. You know, like I've had this uh, thought, and I don't know if it's a popular one, but I kind of grew up um, – was religion around me but i was never forced into it i was the youngest by like 10 years so i was just this baby who got overfed and never had to do any work and have grown up like and had to taught myself how to be self-sufficient as an adult and it's been really weird but but what happened was is that i'm now starting to see in our society that those aren't popular ideas of believing in the mystical so i started thinking man that's cool. Well, it's cool, but what's replacing? Who's the moral compass? And I, and I wasn't sure how to answer it. It seems to me like there is none, and that's why like corporations are coming in now and starting to drive. You know, don't just buy my product, but also here's some tips on life. And it really yeah. was freaking me out because I'm like, yeah. I'd rather a rabbi, uh, uh, you know, a priest telling me, you know, some somebody who specializes in spirituality right, who yeah. thinks about it all day, yeah. and and I just. I hope we get to a stage where, okay, if the new God is science, cool, but can science help me educate my child with why you should be nice to people?
1: I think my, my, my education has really helped me um, uh, I, I did a lot of philosophy mm. uh, in, in in university and it comes down to, it. even though a lot of philosophy is religiously um, inclined, mm. but it comes down to how we are naturally as human beings, and I, I think basically corporations and companies have picked up on it because <laughs> yeah. they can make a product <laughs> of it, Yeah, I mean yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah, basically yeah, it yeah. And it's, I guess there's nothing, and the, how the economy works, I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with that Mm. but uh, but it's that it's picking up on how naturally we are as human beings Mm. Uh, as human beings we will naturally tend to group we will naturally uh, tend to start a family whatever Mm. shape and form that family takes in, in in our societies nowadays but we will tend to group and we will tend to actually do good for that group that we we integrate you know i mean even if we're a band of crooks you know uh but something's going to join us together and and that whatever that joins us together is a good for the group you know Mm. and
0: and and, and that's really really important i wonder if it's because it's such a we're talking about the global environment of the world and that's the confusing part maybe groups aren't able to be upscaled to billions of people you know maybe it was intended that we would have these little groups like we naturally had so i think that's the that that's the cool opportunity as well like this podcast for example and many others you know we just send ideas out yeah. and maybe the kids of tomorrow will get better at sifting through those ideas because it's a bombardment eh?
1: yeah but i I'll, and I, I mean after this whole thing we grew up now with this globalization after mm. the iron curtain fell i mean globalization's just gone mad right mm. but um but I think it's just given us a bigger window of what we see and what we we know a little bit more first or second hand. But it hasn't taken away. And I think our, our own lives here in New Zealand and how important the different groups that we participate in mm-hmm. and that, that's such a part of New Zealand life mm-hmm. kind of is an, is an
0: example of um, that that's still really strong. Yeah. You know? So you studied philosophy. Um, did it help? <laughs> and, and what I mean by that is I sometimes think about philosophy like Pythagoras' theorem. I don't know how it helps every day. Uh, And I kind of think that... What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say something like... um, If most people aren't able to win from it, is it really... A good idea you know so uh lower taxes for let's say the super rich is good for a small number and so i'm torn on that because maybe they're the ones who are innovating which is why i can buy the new iphone and have a nice car and you know if we take all of that incentive for them away um what's in it for me but i mean were there any key themes that you picked up from philosophy that that you maybe pass on to your sports students or uh, i actually pass it on Daily to
1: all my students, True. yeah, that, that's, I think that's how strong it's been. Cool. Because it's reflection, mm. it's learning how to think, uh, reflecting on what you're thinking, putting meaning to the rationale behind mm. what you're doing or what you want to do. Um, I think that's been key. And, and in, I mean, I've I've taught business, uh, I, I teach sports, what Sport is business, communication, mm. and how we relate with one another. Uh, many times when we screw it up it's because we haven't really thought it through Mm. so then when you go back and you are able to actually take apart uh, how that all came about and the processes you'll actually uh, identify ah Actually, what I did was not wrong. Right. I just messed it up in this little bit here. Mm. Let me go back and fix it. Let me go and apologize for that bit that I did. I still sustain that opinion, but, mm. you know, and, 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 yeah, that's, yeah, and yeah. that's and that's what works. And and I've translated that to my mental skills
0: coaching with um wow. with players. And it seems to me that you have to um, kind of work out, you know how do you frame up the past so that it doesn't become too much of a burden but more of a way to kind of empower you and i hear your story and like there's two there's two stories one could be the kid who's like man why can't life just be normal for me yeah. Why do I have to be the different one? But it seems to me that that's given you this X factor, you know, or allowed you to see the world in a different perspective. Um, and, and I just wonder, like, I don't really hear anyone encouraging that, encouraging saying, like, I hear the victim card coming out, yeah. but not the empowerment. So, cool, get it off your chest that, you know, life was pretty shit. But at the same time, what are you going to do to turn that into your, your, you know, your S symbol and make you get out there and that's your bulletproof, yeah. that's your armor.
1: Yeah, and I, I think I, I got to look at my, at my parents. I think that was that was tr- tremendous. Um, they just got on with it, and I think when I got a bit older, when I was ten years old, my dad got cancer for the first time, mm. and they told him we we got to get a surgery. The first thing he did, he goes, "Okay, when do I get the surgery?" Here is my pack of cigarettes. He handed the pack of cigarettes wow. to the doctor, and he just wanted to get on with it. Mm. And, um, and then he got it again. He's had cancer four times, and he's going strong, you know. And um, and every time, it's like. Let's get it done. Mm. Uh, why? Because there is another thing that drives him. He he needs to be there for for my sister, and mm. so is my mom. I remember um, this is probably about ten years ago. We were in the states with my wife, and and we were driving the car. We had my sister in the car, and our and our youngest and our eldest son uh, in the back seat, and we had gone out to lunch, and we looked through the rearview mirror. And actually, it was the first time I had seen my parents driving the car by themselves. But right. they, they were alone because their life has always been tied to us. Mm-hmm. And you go, but they're going strong. And, the, and with all the, the hardships, shifting country, uh, my mom carrying the burden of a man that didn't speak the language for five years. They're celebrating 50 years of marriage. Mm-hmm. They've overcome that. The old man's overcome cancer. Uh, my mom, she's done tremendous things, you know. You go how could that be why can't I do it mm-hmm. and um, and I was brought up that way so yeah it's, it's a, it, it wasn't negative it's just how it is mm. I mean uh, I've studied management quite a bit and there's this great um, uh, professor uh, Henry Mintzberg and he goes managers you can go do an MBA and you can think of all these theories but really Go and observe a manager every day (laughs) he's faced with contingency and how he Mm. how he kind of drives himself through the contingency and overcomes it that's what makes a good manager Mm. and if i look back at my life my parents life and then i've decided to be a migrant as well i've moved over to new zealand 11 years ago and um and i remember i arrived i had three kids and a wife we had our 11 bags on the curb and they go that's your accommodation when we arrived and i go holy heck, this better work out, you know? <laughs> yeah. and, 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 but but you go, all right,
0: let's get to it. Let's get yeah. to the task and, ma- and make it work. Like being able to just sit in the uncomfortableness. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, uh, well, I don't know, man. It seems like I could talk to you about that all day. And what I'm, what I'm interested is, do you think there's enough Areas to fall over for our next generation. For, I mean, how do you see the young people coming through in sport? Are they are they people who um, are able to take on the challenge of life and 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 use the negatives for positives, or like, uh, yeah? I mean, I, I guess it depends where you come from and all
1: that stuff. Obviously, mean, there, there's a bit of the, the truth is like everything. There's a bit of there's a bit of everything. Um, you you have those athletes that are able to overcome Mm. um those athletes that are very uh burdened by their past and continue to be burdened by their their family environment Mm. well we see that quite a bit uh at at mit even with our students Mm. that uh when we ask them what's your why Uh, of doing it for my family yeah but there comes a point that you got to do it for yourself yeah you know if survival now is not your family. It is yourself mm. and that emancipation that needs to happen I mean you're not letting go of that that other burden. You still carry it with you But what are you doing for yourself at mm. that balance between the, the external why which is family and your internal and your internal why? Is important. Uh, I think the push with our generations now and our, and our athletes is I mean how much let's look at LeBron James mm. How much money is he making? Six hundred forty million a year. It's something. something ridiculous, you know. <laughs> yeah. So if you give him a bonus forty million, doesn't mean anything. But guys like that, their inspiration now come from what they can do in their lives that has a higher meaning, a higher value. Mm. And I think that value aspect is where our next generation is going, and that's where our athletes and our and our students need to strive for. Mm. What's going to be valuable for you? I mean. Yeah, we always talk in Auckland Oh, houses are so expensive. Our next generation is not going to be able to buy a house. I got three kids. And I tell them, well, if you can't buy a house, it doesn't mean you're not going to be an awesome human being and yeah. do amazing things. Yeah. But buying a house is not what you are were born to do in life. You
0: were born to do something amazing. Mm. Find the value in that amazing thing that you want to do. Yeah, just because it happened in the past doesn't mean it's the right thing, right? Yeah. Like our parents gave up everything for this idea of home ownership. Yeah. And they gave us these stable upbringings and all of that kind of stuff but that doesn't mean to be successful we have to follow exactly that path I mean yeah. you know you're in New Zealand you're doing a different path to what your family did and, and same with my family and I guess the truth is there's no huge grand scheme eh? no. you've just got to um, and I think this is where that whole thing of mindfulness comes in and I've been kind of studying a little bit of it because it, what it seems is that it, it helps you just get out of your own way you know, yep. like we're talking about all these things from the past, and sometimes in a decision, you don't need to be clouded by everything. You just need to look what's right in front of you. you exactly. Know? And and sometimes that's the hardest thing to see. Yeah. It's super difficult, eh? And you just got to find a way. And um, are there tips that you offer, you know, your students or sports players uh, that can help you in those really critical, stressful situations that, like, um, and maybe they're just everyday tips? Because part of the podcast is, is you know, I don't want to, you don't, I don't want the audience to have to have a doctorate to yeah. take some good stuff. Like sometimes it's just good going for a jog. Yeah. Um, I mean, what, what would you say to it, that? It, it's focused on the task at hand. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I mean, if people. That would read these time
1: management, all these, yeah. all, all these books on, uh, on personal development, but it is focused on the task. I mean, uh, a, a typical thing I, I, I do when I start to work with somebody is I say, all right, let's look at your week. Uh, let's see what different things you do during the week. And I go, and they, they do their typical things. I'm, I'm a teacher. I'm a rugby player. Um, uh, and I go, are you a son?
0: Uh, are you a husband
1: you know wow. do you drive and they go yep so, so you're also a driver yep. um, do you make yourself your own breakfast or something oh, i'll make my breakfast okay then you're a cook <laughs> so we start putting all that in the different parts of the week awesome. uh, and when it comes to those hard times is i cannot worry about my issues when I have to make breakfast for my kids. Mm. I just gotta get that job done in those 15 minutes. I gotta make breakfast so they get off to school, Mm. you know? And I learned that from, I mean, I've done a lot of learning, but I think a lot of learning has come from the people and the the people that I love that are really close to me, my wife. I mean, she was a flight attendant. And um, with my eldest son, I mean, he would always get a cold and she would have to go on long hauls for three, four days. And I would get stuck at home, obviously, because I was home with our eldest son. And, um, and she was able to disconnect. I always go, how can you do it? And she goes, well, I'm on a plane. I can't call, You can't call me. I can't call you. I got to do the job. I got 270 people on board. Yep. What am I going to do? Mm. I can worry when I get back into the hotel in mm. Spain or Miami or wherever she was going. You know? And it's like, wow, that's really interesting. Because mm. when you're doing a specific task, there are other things that you just have to let go because you cannot do anything about it. What are you going to do when you're driving? I mean, I'm driving to
0: work. Can I fix, oh no, the phone that's not working at home? No, no, you got to just drive. And do you think um, actually telling yourself that, just giving yourself permission, saying, look, I'm in a crap situation, what's my options here? Is it the best that I just try and solve it myself instead of constantly thinking, what do I do, what do I do, what do I do? Yeah. And you're not actually looking at what's yeah. in front of you. No, and...
1: no, just looking, What's? I mean... We're full of tasks every day, yeah. so that's that's why I tell the rugby players, and, and we've had some beauties of situations with them. Um, just e- even in the, in the pregame, uh, players that are extremely worried about getting re-injured because they've come back from a two-three month rehab, and in the in the in the pregame, they they start worrying about, oh, how's this game going to go? Am I going to get re-injured? Is, is my knee going to give? You know, and we work the same way. It's like, okay, in the pregame, what do you have to do? You got to arrive. All right. So you got to drive, worry about getting to the field. Then you got to change into your training gear. Then you got to go through the warm ups. Then you got to get on the jersey. And we discovered with one player that in that downtime, getting that game jersey on in the shed and then coming back on the field, that was about a two minute time frame where there was no activity. And that's when the ghost was creeping in. Oh, right. Yeah. So we talked with the coaches and said, Look, uh, Mom, we got to go him a task here because that's when he's giving himself that permission yeah. to get that ghost in. So he was a co captain. So it was like, OK, you got a set of instructions you got to give the other players. So we occupied those two, three minutes' of time. By the time they got on the field, he was still thinking of the tasks. He
0: didn't let that preoccupation come in. That's so interesting. Yeah. So, again, that goes to everyone's. Um, their own person but Fran if you're not around um, and there's a lot of people listening and you won't be around for every second of every day how does one identify that or should should is there is there mental skills coaches for things outside of sport I mean do you think this could be in a more of emerging I'm not talking about a psychologist I'm just talking about someone to say hey you know like a like you like a personal trainer for life
1: Absolutely, yeah. a- absolutely, and it's, it's, there's many people going around,
0: and you'll right, see quite right, right. a few on
1: the on the internet. Um, but it is, it is, it is a coach, or what some people call a life coach. Mm. I mean, here here in New Zealand, when we work with sport, we call it mental skills, and uh, it's because the the All Blacks at uh, 2005 brought out brought out that whole paradigm. But um, but it is that um, in the United States, baseball teams, especially with the pitchers, you know, they're standing on the mound and there's a lot of time between pitches. Some baseball teams have four or five mental skills coaches, you know, just to, to work through with the players mm. to actually f- help them focus on on the decision making. Don't let the ghosts creep in. Um, but for a normal person. For a student, I mean, I think a lot of the uh, conversations I have with my students come around this whole area of mental skills coaching. Yeah. It's like because they have the the ghosts of the family, especially when they get to the third year of their degree, that they're going like, "Oh, you've been studying for too long. You got to go work. Mm. What are you doing? This, this, this is not going to help you. You're not going to have a job when you finish studying." Well, well, come on. You can hear that <laughs> yeah. at dinner, but during the day, you got to work on your assignments, whatever. So yeah. you work with students in the same way. So but yeah,
0: it goes along a whole. The whole sector of life. The whole um, chat is just interesting. It's interesting because. It all makes sense, yet it's incredibly hard to balance. Eh, you know, it's one of those things that, unfortunately, you know, there is no rule book on it. One size fits for all. We've all just got to balance
1: trying to get it done. Oh, absolutely, and and I can tell you, I'm probably a train wreck many times. You know, I was I was a train wreck in my first year of uni. Yeah. I mean, uh, and I think that kind of led me to actually be more reflective about myself. Mm-hmm. And and um, I remember when there used to be Barnes and Nobles in the United States fabulous bookstores right. I picked up one of these pocket books which is Meditating for Westerners <laughs> yeah. you know? and, and it talked about how in New York City you could be on the subway and just take time to think for yourself mm. and um, it wasn't really useful but it was useful because man, I'm talking about that book today and this is mm. about 20 years ago <laughs> and um, and I do take time I, I do take time to myself um, I do take even if it's a short 5-10 minutes a day mm. All right, do that to do list. What do I have to do? What is important? Um, why is my wife really bugging me today? Mm. You know, uh, Yeah, I, I still love her. She's. Only bugging me because she's asking me to do three things, but <laughs> it's not that I hate
0: her. You know, <laughs> I but wonder if she's listening or watching she, live. Oh, she knows. She I'll always be like, taking yeah, that. She
1: always knows. I talk about her, <laughs> but but it's true. I mean, um, and it is it is important because we also get caught up and I go, oh, in this world it's like, oh, d- my wife's this, my wife's mm-hmm. that. No, she's not. She's a beautiful, great person. She's just annoyed me because of these two things. Yep. I
0: can address these two things. Yeah, yeah. But you got to give yourself time. You got to give yourself time. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, if you don't identify it. It just it can um, what did I hear back to that mindfulness stuff you can suffer unnecessarily and and not know why you're suffering and you know sit there grumpy for hours over something that if you really just took two seconds and analyzed it sometimes I do it with feeling embarrassed like you've done things in your life that you feel embarrassed for whether accidentally or um, or non-accidentally or on purpose and and I sit there sometimes and you get that feeling of shame you know, and it's not even a weird thing. Maybe it's an accidental fart, yeah. and it's just—it <laughs> was just the per- way the person looked at you, and you said the wrong thing, and 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 I sit there and just say no instead of trying to block it out sit in it for a couple more seconds and then let it go you were talking about training for your
1: half marathon Mm. and it is it is training because I mean the difficulty about being human is that we have emotions Mm. because like you're saying this is pretty easy Mm. but it's easy because we're rational so all the automated stuff that we're gonna be doing in the next 10-15 years Mm. it's gonna be pretty easy because it's just rational yeah but we have humans involved it becomes emotional and that's when things get mixed up, and that's why we need the lawyers and all these people to solve situations. You know? <laughs> yeah. But we need to train it. Um, and like you say, you, we train physically for a half marathon. But how do we train ourselves to actually cope with those emotions? Mm. You know, and that's where psychologists and and guys like that do the things that I do. Uh, we, we play a significant role. It's like you know, look, um, identify this was an emotional state notice that you you have an emotional state that you're entitled to have it fine cry your heart out it's okay mm. but just like a project I mean you, have, you know how project management is mm. such an important career nowadays <laughs> a project can be successful or not successful but it has a start and a finish mm. so you can emotionally look at yourself as a project you can be sad but it has to finish yeah. at one point you mm. know you might still be sad about it, but that emotional state has to, so you can move on to the next
0: mm. um What do you like? You know, I talk about it quite often, and and it's this idea of how do you be the How do you be the best version of you in your worst moments? You know, because we've got a baby and getting up at three in the morning. There's versions of me I don't like. There's the one who snaps back and and doesn't want to pick up the baby, and I know why. It's I'm tired and I've had a big day and I'm trying to get some sleep, but. That's not what I signed up for. I signed up for this twenty-four hour parent, yeah. seven days a week, and I, and what I'm struggling with is it's quite easy for me to be mindful at eleven o'clock in the. M- I've had my breakfast. I'm having a coffee. Something goes down at work. I can target in. I'm trying to work out how do I have that same level of care at three in the morning, and 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 you know things aren't going that well you know like what would you say to that oh, i'm I was, I was struggling with that
1: as well with not with the baby but with my 20 year old yeah no he's st- he's still at home and, <laughs> and um and he's like he's a kiwi uh, brought up boy, mm. and obviously we have that cultural um, clash mm. yep. of how we see living at home mm. while he lives, sees it in a Kiwi way, right. and I'm snapping, I'm snapping quite a bit, and I'm like, uh, well, I coach people in this, <laughs> yeah. but I'm snapping, and I think the good thing is to realize what you've just done is, yeah, I am snapping, mm. so you're not, being, you're not being mindful after the coffee, you're being mindful on the fact that you are snapping, now, let's identify what you're snapping right. at, and that just allows you for the next encounter to go, hold on, mm. I'm starting to face this that triggers me to snap. Right. Am I going to snap? And like with Sebastian, my eldest, I know I have snapped again, <laughs> yeah. but it's because I wanted to. Yeah. So it's not now that you've just snapped. Yeah. It, there's a there's a will and an intention behind. Mm-hmm. I've wanted to snap. Yeah, you know, and and, and that's all right we, we are human beings. I've, I've probably if Sebastian ever listens to this podcast. He'll go. Oh, you snap too often dead <laughs> But uh, but uh, but but, but I, you also pay the bills So yeah, but, I mean, but he's a he's a real good kid yeah. And it's just a clash on on our view of life because mm. he's had a different view of the world to the one that I grew up in and um, and um I need to be mindful, I am being mindful of that, I just need to know when certain elements are beginning to trigger, Mm. how do you take the step back, how you engage with it. At the
0: end, you're willingly taking a a response to it. And it is also your job, as it is mine, to make a decision on what's correct and incorrect. So sometimes, look, hopefully we're 90% right, but we can be 10% wrong, let's give ourselves a favourable odds. But we still, like, that's the thing, right? It doesn't help anyone if we don't make a call. It could yeah. be the wrong call, yeah. but we had the kid. Yeah. Now we've got to try and make a call. Otherwise, yeah. yeah. But, but, but,
1: but at today's age, I mean, when we were growing up, there was a I always correct or wrong call right <laughs> now everything's relative mm, so, and, to and how I, you feel yeah and and and, and, our, and our kids and our young people you go yeah but it, that's not necessarily correct that's mm. a, that's how you see it and you go mm, yeah <laughs> but i think you've you've nailed it on it's you got to make a call, right? I mean, let's and, uh, and sport is a beautiful way of looking yeah. at life because in sport, at the end, it's a game, mm. and you can make a wrong call for a play and you lose the game, or you can make a right call and you win it. But win or lose, all you did was. Win or lose a game, yeah. it wasn't the be-all, end-all of life. Yeah. But if you use that whole example and use it in real life, you can learn quite a bit of it. Yeah. I always go back to the twenty eleven World Cup final when the whole stadium was in silence. Man, were you there? I was at the stadium Me too. Uh, I remember going to the <laughs> the toilets at halftime. Everybody was silent in the toilets at Eden Park with forty five thousand people. You know, yeah. it's like it was crazy. But the All Blacks, if they would have made a mistake, and they would have. Gone call for for a penalty. Game's over. Mm. I mean, how long did they hold that ball in the last
0: ten minutes? You know, nothing was happening. But if they made a mistake, how's it? Do um, just jumping sideways for a Second referees. Do they get mental skills support? Because that must be an incredibly stressful. Think of the referee who refereed that game. Oh, absolutely. Trying not to uh, feel like the temptation to give a penalty to France because you all blacks have just got the ball they're technically not doing anything wrong but you must be thinking to yourself uh okay so is this going to carry on for 10 minutes and I'm going to be okay with it and everyone's going to criticize me I wonder what their strategy is Uh, as a as a uniform approach unfortunately
1: it's there isn't Mm. um some uh, referees at the highest level are looking are looking into it right but uh, that's definitely uh, uh, an, an area of where more more support should be should be in mm-hmm. um, I remember going to I, I took a, a refereeing course once and I remember hearing from one of the referees that was talking talking on the course he says you know what I do I go out on Friday nights before the the, the game on Saturday and for about 30 minutes 40 minutes I walk through the rugby field just to envision where I'm going to be at tomorrow, right. position to make calls, and you go like, wow, this guy's actually taking the mental skills and the and mm. and the and the, and the visualization to the next level, and mm. he's a referee. And I, you always use that example as, look, you've got to give yourself time to reflect, think what you're going to be doing, so
0: hopefully it's kind of like a deja vu when right. you do it the next day. Um, would you say this is fear? So something like Mental skills and, and mindfulness and, and meditation, and all these things, there are real ways to do it in life where you don't have to learn about it, but you have to live life. Yeah. So, you can do squats by picking up some trash, yeah. you can um, work out your calves by going for a run or whatever, you can practice um, mindfulness just by being present in a conversation. So I guess there's two ways. There's the top five tips to be a epic human, or there's just be willing to experience life in all of its forms. I'll
1: go. I'll go for the second one. I, I think you do definitely have to live life, right? And be aware that you're living it. Hmm. Uh, th- that's it. Yeah, uh, I, I would say those are top from from my end. My t- top two tips. Awesome. You got to live life. Yeah. Be aware. That you're living in, yep. take time out to say, "Holy hell, this is what I did today. This, yep. uh, this was remarkable that I did this today. Let me celebrate it." No? Mm. And if I want to add a third one, is think of what is that higher thing that will
0: fulfill you in life, mm. uh, and, and I'm pretty sure it's not those tangible things usually. Yeah, so it's yeah. not having the new iPhone. Would you say if you're someone who's just can't wait for the holidays or for the weekend that there probably needs to be some more thought put into your – like you should enjoy your Monday to Friday too, right? Yeah. I, we have to go to work and traffic sucks and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. you can't hate every minute, a day. It's not a solution. No, no. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll go
1: to my mom on this. Um, basically – uh, she she would always say, "Look, work is your route to perfection. Mm. It's your task. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what are else are you gonna do? You gotta do work. Yeah. You gotta do school. So how well you do it is how closer to perfection you're gonna be as an individual." Mm. And my mom would always repeat that and drill that into me, and I and I really believe it. I think I, I live by it. I, I mean, obviously you gotta like work. There will be pieces of work that you don't like,
0: but getting through it will get you closer to achieving it when you achieve it take off a perfection yeah bro Um, two final questions because this has been a a fantastic chat um one thing I I don't know how this kind of sounds but whatever Uh, so if you were the person Fran picked by the aliens they came down they say Fran we want you to come and talk to us and you you were to be prepared for the next couple weeks and you had all of the best you know political advisors and everyone and what they wanted to know was like kind of what is humanity at its core what's the story of humanity that shines the best light on us like if you had to be put on the spot right now what would you say like what is humanity I guess it's the meaning of life question but but for you what would you say to that other being they said what 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 is it like being a human or what is the human story what would you say oh (laughs) I would probably talk that it's a
1: beast or a creature that is extremely talented Uh, I think the fact that we can multitask Mm -hmm. is something that makes us extraordinary. I would Mm -hmm. would probably really dwell on that fact that we can multitask. We can be that cook, driver, and uh, athlete or teacher, whatever it is that we are, um, all at the same time. I think I would really dwell on that. But I would really spend a lot of time also telling them that all those skills and talents that we have can get really rattled by the emotions Mm. and that the human being can be very manipulative because of those emotions Mm. um and to understand how those emotions work
0: will be how well they'll be able to relate to us as human beings right (laughs) and then they'll take us all over um fran final question is there a moment in life that that blew your mind So what I mean by that Is like You know We have these life changing moments They help us see the world In a different way And I'm trying to share As many of those Because mm. maybe it will come From the podcast For that person Who needs to hear that thing Or maybe it will spark Someone in someone's memory um, Do you have a moment That blew your mind? Ah, uh, absolutely uh, yeah. this,
1: is a, this is a huge question um, yeah, I told you very briefly How I ended up Being raised in the States mm-hmm. um, And this was pretty emotional Um and because i had a mentally retarded sister mm. and i have a mentally retarded sister with several palsy, and she can't talk and so she's like a 70-year-old kid mm. in a 43-year-old body you right, know right. Um, great i mean the happiest person in the world and my whole experience as a child took me to the fact that you know what i'm her support mm. and i'm but i was scared and i was unwilling to in my life plan to get married mm. Because if I got married, that meant I was going to have kids Right. So that was not my life plan Damn. At all, mm. absolutely at all So I was busy going through university Finishing university, thinking of my career I was, I had my whole life plan go I went to law school, this is what I wanted to do And in 2000, I met my wife And she had a one year old son Sebastian, this is my oldest son And um, I met her at her apartment And I realized I could be a dad and that changed my whole my whole life. Wow. Yeah, completely, completely changed my whole life. That's awesome. Yeah, dude.
0: that's a you know those are those moments that yeah. we it feels like a real human moment yeah. Eh, yeah. that we just shared and then. Dude, I want to thank you for um, joining us on the show and and being brave enough because I think, um, you know, let's talk about masculinity or the male of the world needs some encouragement to redefine who we are. And it's not just the the punching bag or or, or the, you know, the whatever the last hundred years needed us to be. Now we need to be something different. And I think it starts with um, you telling your story and and helping uh, people all over the place, you know, and just hats off to you, bro. Because it's bloody awesome. Uh, where can if people like businesses or people want to reach out to um, get you to help them in the mental skills area? Are, are you open for that, or you must be busy already? You uh, yeah. Um, well, yeah, I, I, like uh, like you know, I I am a lecturer at MIT, mm.
1: um, and I work with the county's Cow Rugby Union and their and their players. Um, but I also do uh, some uh, some consulting. Cool. Um, uh, I have a website which is called Thomas Education. Yep. dot, uh, dot com. Mm-hmm. um people can reach me through there awesome so yeah i'm happy sometimes i do some speed engagements um last year I was, the last one i did last year was with a group of exercise physiologists which cool. is a is a new career of professionals really exciting young uh, scientists and and medical professionals but they need to get clarity on
0: How do they pop into this into this into this world with their with their skills? So yes, I'm always excited to do that. Well, man, you're gonna be all the requests are gonna be coming through soon. So appreciate your time. Thank you, brother. Thanks a lot, Will. And um, yeah, thank you to everyone watching on the podcast and joining us. And reach out to Fran if you want to. I don't know I just think how cool would it be if you got lots of people saying we want you to do help us help us because you've got the knowledge you got the time no no you don't have the time if, but if there's enough money involved
1: let me leave you with one thought yeah.
0: and this I is, is, I've, I've found it pretty cool because
1: I've, I've, this past couple of weeks I've made myself my little map um, the week has 168 hours mm. I sleep about 7 hours a night so that's about 7 times 7 49 mm. cool that leaves me about 121 hours in the week. Yeah. I have my full time jobs, 34 hours, so I got about 86 hours left in the week. Mm. So, in between that, the commute, Google can tell you how much time you spend in traffic. Yeah. I did my whole math. I have about 25 to 27 hours extra a week, and, and that it's just at being mindful and how do
0: I optimize my time? So wow. we have p- quite a bit of time during our week. And that's strange because everyone thinks they don't, right? Yeah. That's awesome. And we have awesome amount of time. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone again for listening and watching and we'll see you in the next episode of the podcast. And like I say, thank you all for joining us and blowing our minds. See you next week.